For Constant Change, I'm Elliot Gunnell. On today's episode, we'll be talking to Ian Meldrum. Ian is a talented storyteller and performer. He has been cast and starred in many professional and semi-professional theater productions and is currently studying at Columbia College, Chicago. I will never forget watching him perform his craft, perfect his craft, as well as performing alongside of him back in the trenches. Ian, thanks for being here today. Elliot, how's it going? It's such a pleasure. Oh my gosh. It, we're, we're just having fun. It's a little bit rainy out today, so it's a great day for podcasting. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It is a terribly foggy day here in Chicago, so I'm totally with you on that. <laughs> good, good. So can you give me a little backstory on who you are and, and where yeah. you come from? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm um, originally from Gross Point, Michigan, right outside of Detroit, um, you know, represent the good GP, you know, <laughs> um, I current, uh, yeah, right now I live in Chicago, I just had a brand new apartment, actually, so I'm still kind of um, getting settled in. But yeah, like you said, I'm a BFA musical theater student at Columbia College, Chicago, and I'll be a sophomore going into this next fall. And yeah, actually, I just finished the, uh, the Zoom U uh, just a couple of days ago. So hopefully, come next semester um that still isn't the case anymore you know back in person but yeah things things are good yeah so i mean you know these are these are definitely weird times i mean you you went into your your freshman year you know in a sort of traditional classroom setting probably working with a bunch of other you know uh students who wanted to learn uh the craft of musical theater and things like that and then you had to kind of transition into that that online <laughs> experience yeah. how did that I go <laughs> i swear i swear my life is a never-ending adventure <laughs> you know I, I took a gap year and then i finally you know i totally changed my outlook originally i wasn't even going to musical theaters so this was a whole new look on things and of course the year had something new to bring um yeah um, I think Columbia, of, of all the other schools who I know, took different approaches to going online and to, you know, making this transition as smooth as possible for their students. Um, although there's no, like, perfect way to do it, I think Columbia really did a good job of doing their best as they could to first keep students on campus while they could. And then mm. when we inevitably had to move on to Zoom, I think they still did, you know, a relatively good job as far as keeping in contact with us and our, you know, we did the best we could, but I, I think, um, yeah, mm. it, you know, it, it could have been worse is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think you touch on a good point because many institutions, um, had some, had some issues with, um, you know, getting, getting their, their students to sort of, uh, adjust and transition because for them, it was also a transition as well. Um, you know, most of these career, um, professors and administrators, have always taught in this sort of direct way and then making that transition that's definitely not an easy task so it's good to hear that that columbia um was was able to sort of transition effectively yeah and it was also really interesting to see how different it was among schools because i mean i have friends from university of michigan and mm -hmm. they were online immediately wow. whereas columbia who is you know the school is very hands-on i'm taking dance classes voice lessons all these different things mm -hmm. uh, i think we went into, you know, whatever you want to call it, isolation, stay at home, um, off campus learning um, two weeks before spring break was supposed wow. to happen. Wow. And but originally we thought we were going right online. Um, but because Columbia really isn't a school that was originally suited for online learning, we just we took a three week break. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a total every single day we were curious what was going to happen because um, 
nothing was clear whatsoever. So it worked out in the end. But I mean, it was, it was really interesting seeing people who went back immediately online and some people who, you know, had the break like we did and just how it ended up there. Yeah, it's so weird to see all this lay out and um, happen. But yeah. Yeah. Was, was there anything, um, so obviously, you know, being a student, being a full-time student, um, you know, a major change that affected you in COVID-19 with the outbreak was, was being a student. Uh, but was there anything else that sort of got interrupted? Any uh, long-term plan? Like, what are you grieving? What, what is? Oh, yeah. Um, so right bef- like before we even knew what the coronavirus was, like, I think like news was being heard about from China. Like we were hearing that this existed, however, it wasn't in our capacity yet. So probably back in January, um, I was on winter break and I had actually had an audition for a production of West Side Story uh, back in the Metro Detroit area. Okay. And um, I ended up booking the role, which was great. But um, that email came right around March when Mm. things were getting a little shaky. So, you know, in this email, they were like, congrats. But however, like we might not know when we're going to do the show or if it's still going to happen this summer. So for about a month, I kind of sat on the seat of my pants, just like, well, I might have a job this summer. <laughs> right. And um, uh, fortunately, this is a wonderful theater company. Um, no, Not one I've performed with yet, but a lot of friends have performed with them. Um, and uh, they took this really great approach that instead of completely canceling their, you know, their season, whatever they had planned, they're just postponing it to uh, the summer of 2021. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's nice because, I mean, it's still a guaranteed role. However, um, I think the biggest change is, I think this is the first time I'm not going to work for the summer in probably mm-hmm. four years. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. I, think, I think that's the biggest change. And it was exciting because I haven't worked in a show. You know, I've done the shows at Columbia and I did the shows at South. Um, I was excited because I haven't actually worked in a show for probably um, almost two years now. So, oh. you know, I was really looking forward to this and um, yeah, I don't know. But um, like I said, I'm glad they postponed the season, but it's going to be really interesting. Um, you know, there's a whole cast that, you know, got the same email. So it's going to be really cool to see, um, you know, finally meet these people a year and a half later <laughs> after, right, you right. know, after getting this casting call. So um, yeah, that's probably the biggest, like, let down that has happened was I anticipated being the show and all of a sudden just never mind. <laughs> what, what would you want to say to those fellow cast members? Obviously you're a performer, you've been working, you know, through the years on all these, you know, different shows, whether they're, you know, from the high school or, you know, in the more professional realm. But like you said, you have all these other performers that are also going through it. What would you say to them? Oh, I, I feel like we're all in such different, but like the same boat at the same time. I just, it's such a big community of people and loving and supporting people. Um, Mm -hmm. I just tell them, you know, just sit tight. Things are going to get better when that's a good question. Um, (laughs) but you know, I would just let them know that no matter what is going on, you know, we're going to get through this and you know, it, it may be months, it may be, you know, a long while, but mm-hmm. we're, we're going to get back, you know, a lot, <laughs> something a lot of the theater companies have been saying is, you know, it's only intermission right now. And I think that's true, you know, mm. 
Um, unfortunately, it's scary because, I mean, there's shows on Broadway right now that are closing permanently because of this. Mm. Um, Disney's Frozen, that's been running for a solid two, three years, um, oh. is not returning to Broadway. And when I, I think that notification came out a few days ago. And when I read that, I just sat in my chair for a moment and realized the intensity of this. Because, I mean, I understand if a small theater who is really relying on, like, you know, day-by-day ticket sales and shows to happen to survive. I'd understand if that were to happen to a theater like that. And it is, and it's heartbreaking because these theaters all deserve to stay open. But when a big name company like Disney has to close one of their shows, I was like, holy crap. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, hopefully it doesn't go to a more terrible extent than that. Because I mean, you know, I have friends who just graduated with musical theater and acting degrees. And, you know, a lot of the times you graduate and, you know, you book a show to some extent, hopefully. Right. Um, that's the goal, at least. You know, you graduate with musical theater degree, you want to be performing. Um, right. And, you know, I mean, they just graduated two days ago and they're entering a world where, you know, right now there are zero actors equity contracts being honored right now. Wow. So, I mean, I, you know, if anything, I. I fear for them, you know, I'm going through my own time right now trying to figure out what I'm doing. But I mean, I couldn't even imagine if I was graduating senior right now, going through this in a world that has zero job opportunities for, you know, what you just studied for four years. Right, right. I mean, so, I mean, that's a good point. It, it brings up this whole, this whole part of uncertainty. And that's part of the ethos behind um, constant change is that that everything that we do, all of these, all of these challenges that we come across, kind of either, either direct us on a different path, or um, you know, even though they're difficult and, and really, really gut wrenchingly hard, um, that we're able to somehow navigate these these moments of change, um, and then in retrospect look and say, "Wow, if it, if I didn't have that happen, what would I do?" Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that you're talking about, you know, uh, uh, big Broadway shows closing down, um, you know, that the, that the contracts of all these actors and the seniors graduating from all of these um, programs are not able to find work. Um, do you see a, a future that, uh, that does not have audiences in front of shows, but rather maybe a digital sort of experience? And what does that do to an actor on stage? Uh, looking out in sort of an empty room with some cameras what's the what's the difference on your side um i've actually i've actually heard that as an alternate at least coming out of the outbreak um i don't think it would be a permanent future right. but i've definitely heard of some you know some live stream opportunities where you know once it gets to a point where it's a little safer to be back in a social environment at least to a point where a cast and a crew and a pit could come together and put on a show. Yeah. Um, you know, I have heard the idea of, you know, having someone pay, you know, what would essentially be a ticket price um, to live stream a show that's happening live. Um, I think it's an, I think it's creative. I think it's interesting. However, you know, as, as an actor, I have always really driven a good percentage of my performance off of how the audience is reacting. Hmm. You know, you do that big show number or like right. you finally, like you pull the bit, you know? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, 
when you do these things, you're expecting either applause or laughs or, you know, you know, it could be a very emotional story and you're not relying on it, but you're, you're expecting some kind of reaction from the audience. And I mean, that's, you know, that's why they're there to enjoy the show, but also to give you energy back. I mean, that's really, you know, why I went into stage acting, film acting, you know, you take however many takes until it's perfect. And yeah, that's but, that, you know, I mean, right. you, you do so many specific things during the day, but I mean, when you're telling a story from point A to point Z, um, you know, on a live show, I, you know, we're really, you know, the audience is a part of it as much as the actors are, hmm. you know, I, I, I really, and I mean, it's beyond audience interaction. It's, you know, it's not even something where you have to break the fourth wall, you know, it's, it's really as pure and connected as, you know, as much as the curtain call is great at the end for the audience to acknowledge all the actors who are coming out to say thank you. I mean, we really are coming out to say thank you to the audience for being there and for paying money to support us. And I mean, in a professional setting, we're thanking them because they're, they're the ones putting food on the table, you know? <laughs> well, you don't think about that often. I mean, I, the, 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 it's almost like if you're a non-performer, a non-actor, that you think that when you go into an audience that, well, they can't really do this as a day job. You know, I mean, some, I think some people <laughs> probably go in and think, oh, this is just some, you know, even if they're a professional, professional and really on top of their craft, I mean, there would be some people that, oh, that's no way to make a living, you know, like <laughs> oh, and, oh, dance classes and, and musical oh. theater. Oh, you know, that's, I can see people saying, you know, a, a, a show without an audience is no show at all. But I, to hear from a performer that, that there still is, while yes, there is, you know, it, it's not the same, but that if people were still supporting the arts uh, digitally, that it, it still, makes a difference it still impacts and entertains. oh oh absolutely yeah. i think it makes a difference on both ends um there's yeah. this wonderful there's this wonderful uh uh public group on facebook it's called all things broadway and it's really cool to see you know how connected people have become in this world of theater and live theater and something a lot of um, professional theater companies are doing right now are they're streaming their shows um like professional filmings of their shows, they're streaming them for people to enjoy. And I think that's really needed right now in this time of, you know, there, there are no shows happening right now. So I think that's really important and really good that that's happening. Um, back to when you asked about this alternate of a virtual show without an audience. Um, although it's not ideal, um, I think if that was a possibility to transition back into what was a normal theater environment with a full audience, um, I don't think it'd be a bad thing at all. I think it would actually be really wonderful. I miss all of my castmates that I worked with and people who I was supposed to perform with but didn't get the chance to. Um, you know, I, I think that'd be a really wonderful thing to, you know, reunite a cast and a crew. And, you know, hopefully, of course, with the intention of performing to a live audience again, I think that would be actually a really fun transition, um, even just to try it you know? Right, right. It, it, yeah, I mean, there's so many different options and so much change involved with what we're dealing with. Um, was there a moment that you particularly felt a shift occur during the beginning of the outbreak? Uh, oh, yeah. I always have this story where I was sitting on the couch and the government, uh, you know, the governor of Ohio shut down the schools. And I remember thinking, wow, this changes 
everything for everyone. So I just wonder if I'm an outlier or that everyone else has these moments of these shifts. So what was yours? Oh, I definitely did. And it definitely had to do with the school and specifically when Columbia closed. Um, Mm. What was happening, Columbia, they weren't late to the game necessarily, but they were much later in the process of closing schools than previous schools who had closed before. Um, UChicago closed very early in March. Um, So did Loyola. And I think Roosevelt University, who we're pretty much neighbors with, um, they closed right before us. So all these schools were closing around us and we were kind of just sitting on the fence like, oh, maybe we won't close because, mm. you know, you know, March 10th, March 15th, this was becoming real. But no one I was talking to at least realized how serious this was about to be. You know, right, right. There was there was the possibility that, you know, schools were still coming back, you know. Um, mm. So, yeah, yeah, I think. I definitely felt the shift occur when, um, when Columbia closed. How did that feel? How did that feel? Yeah. There were so many different, it felt defeating almost because after a certain point, like I saw it coming, you know, like all the schools were closing. It would have been to a point where like Columbia would have been the only one to not close and it would have just looked weird. So I was like, I think there's a certain, I, I saw it coming, but when it happened, like I couldn't, I couldn't rehearse or think about how it would feel in that moment. And I ah. just felt like when I got the notification, actually, I was sitting um, in a rehearsal for the show that I was supposed to do with, um, with Columbia. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we were, one of the main stage productions was a urine town and I was in the ensemble of it and we were mid tech week. Wow. When, um, when the announcement came out. So I'm sitting in the auditorium of the theater <laughs> and, um, and you know, I wasn't alone. Everyone was kind of just sitting around each other in silence. Like what's happening next? Cause really, I mean, to us, we were in such a moment of like, we wanted to put this show up that we weren't really thinking about everything else happening as far as like going to school and like our regular routines. We were so focused on putting the show up that like all we could, re- at least for myself, I can't speak for everyone. For me, all I could think was like, what's next for this show Hmm. you know we we spent six weeks on it without even thinking about the schools closing you know it was so abrupt like day by day i could remember like that first monday i think that was like march 10th or something um you know it was really starting to get serious as far as whether or not columbia was going to close or not and by that thursday um you know we got the announcement that columbia was closing so that was a lot you know, when you rehearse a show for so long and I got so close with the cast members and the crew and the creative team who was just all lovely, lovely people, probably one of the best casts I worked with, you know, you build these relationships and these bonds and you create little things that happen in the show that aren't in the script. And, uh, and then you just can't do that. <laughs> so, right, right. yeah. So I definitely felt defeated in multiple different ways, you know, I, you know, defeated for the show and defeated, you know, like this is my first year of college and I did so much to get here and I was a first generation college student. So it was kind of just this moment of like, you know, like all these things I tried, I felt like feeling like failing is the wrong word, but that's how I'm going to put it because I can't find a better way to say it right now. Um, how did your loved ones feel? I mean, I know you said that you're a first generation college student. Did, did, they, did they really understand how that felt? And were they able to sort of, you know, give you some of that 
um, wisdom of of because they've gone through change in their lives too. Did they did they sort of um, offer any um, you know tips or pointers for for making that transition as well? Or oh, how, how did absolutely. They, yeah. I think there was no there was no clear way to guide it necessarily, um, but a lot of my family was very supportive in all of the different ideas that I had as far as how I was going to approach this. There was an original time where um, Columbia was actually keeping their campus open um, for the students to stay on campus because uh, we don't have dorm style. It's almost more like an apartment style oh, okay. living situation. Yeah. Yeah. So there was almost a possibility for students to stay on campus if they couldn't go anywhere. So early on, you know, I was really in this mindset of, well, do I go home or should I like stay? Because um, my only option was really to go back and stay at my grandparents. And the last thing I wanted to do was um, get them sick. So, right. you know, it, there was there was a lot of back and forth in my mind and talking with my parents, you know, what was the best thing to do. And in the end, I went back home to Michigan for, I think, six weeks before I came back here to Chicago to move into my new space. And um, yeah, I, they were supportive throughout the whole thing because at the same time they had no idea what they were doing either. You know, I think they're, you know, just like myself, a lot of people did not approach this. Mm. So, you know, they definitely supported me though. And it was, you know, it was a hard time of, you know, you're in town was being shut down. And even though we got that one night only performance, which was so cool. I, we, we sold the audience out like one time and a half, like, the balcony was filled with people standing and people were standing on the floor. And like the theater is like this weird setup, like it's pew style seating. So it's not like individual seats. Ah, okay. So the bench, the benches were just like stuffed. Like you could see the seat numbers, <laughs> you could see the seat numbers. And then like, you could see three people encompassing that. It was so cool. And just, it, it's one of those things where like in a time like this, when you need nothing but just support from your peers and from your friends, it was so heartwarming to see 250 people in a 200 seat theater <laughs> yeah. you know, come and support what we created. Cause I mean, I think, I think it really would have been a hard hit if, you know, Thursday we got the announcement, you know, we're not doing the show. And then we just didn't, you know, we didn't do anything at all. Um, that would have been really hard and a lot harder to deal with. I think, doing the show was really nice closure to go into this lockdown. Um, you know, cause at least we had a chance to show an audience what we'd worked on for so long. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a, a good way to sort of, to sort of cope with that, that sort of disappointment. And, and like you said, um, the sort of the feeling of defeat, you know, uh, mm -hmm. being able to sort of finish out the way you wanted to. But, you know, so if you, you, you have this, this, um, this moment that you've, you've worked through, um, if you had to tell someone in your position about how to make that transition, what would you tell them to make it a little bit more easier, a little bit more copable? Uh, how, how, would you, how would you explain that to someone? Um, I think... I remember, I remember when I was going into it, I was very optimistic. Um, you know, Columbia was originally supposed to open April 6th. You know, that was an idea at least, um, you know, before they closed the school permanently through the rest of the semester. And um, I think if I were to go back and either tell someone or even tell myself, you know, how to feel, I'd really, I think I would just tell them the reality of the situation. 
Cause I think mm. what was probably the hardest part was to go in optimistic and think, ah. Oh, maybe we'll go. Cause one of the possibilities was, you know, when we didn't know the extent of this was to go back, uh, April 6th. And, um, with that date in mind, there was an also, um, a possibility of completing the run of Urinetown. Um, so there was a lot of optimism there to possibly go back. And then when that didn't happen and we got the email that we were going to go through the rest of the semester online, then the next point was, oh, well, you know, Governor Whitmer and whoever else, you know, was deciding how long the stay-at-home order was. You know, originally it was May 15th and then it was May 30th. And, you know, so, mm. and while I support those decisions, there was a lot of optimism in those dates and in these times of, oh, like, hopefully we can go back to, you know, what we were doing. So I think I would really tell someone to just, you know, sit tight and, you know, just take a deep breath and enjoy this opportunity of free time that we're given. Because mm. as hard as it is for me, someone who is the exact opposite of a homebody, um, you know, <laughs> I, I swear to God, I, I am never, usually I am never at home. I'm always out of my apartment, <laughs> seeing people, going to class, rehearsal. So, you know, for someone like me to, you know, have to stay home to keep myself and everyone else safe, I would just tell them to enjoy this opportunity of being at home and either just taking the time to take a deep breath or possibly creating something if that's in the realm you know my roommate Ethan and I uh we were talking just last night about recreating songs that I never released and uh, uh. you know there, there's there's opportunity for so many different things here but at the same time there's a great opportunity to just rest and that's mm. probably what I'm gonna do for the next two weeks mm -hmm. <laughs> after, now that I've finished this term to just sit down and take a load relax. off yeah yeah exactly you know my apartment is still fairly new and not entirely put together yet so now i have time to uh you know i can put effort into that you know <laughs> uh, when usually yeah. you know that might be a, a three-month process i can probably do it in two weeks so i you know i'm not taking these moments i have for granted however i really i really do wish i i would i would trade it all to be back where we were and you know, to be in a life where we can get together and, and talk in person. And right. Yeah. And it, it's great that we have this outlet of Zoom and, you know, the technology that we have to, um, you know, to be together in this capacity and talk and have conversations. But yeah. I absolutely would do anything to, you know, be back in those moments and just take like, just another look around because, you know, I'm now realizing we're going to be in this for a while. Who knows how long. But and including a second wave, potentially, we could be even longer. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, of course, that's the last thing we want to think about. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, that's a reality. That's, you know, yeah. it's, it's a possibility. And it's, you know, something I've definitely been thinking about and something I'm not giving my hopes up. Um, you know, another thing I'm potentially working on uh, next semester, the, the next main stage production that Columbia is doing is Cabaret. And, um, oh, how fun. I know it's a beautiful, wonderful show. Um, and I'm again, I'm in the ensemble for that. So that's another thing I'm really looking forward to, but now there is this pullback of, well, you know, how are things going to be next semester when this show ah. is supposed to be rehearsing and being put on? Um, I've heard some rumors that we might, you know, if that were to happen, we might do it in the spring semester or, you know, basically it, it would just be pushed until we could do it, which would be a great opportunity, you know? Um, 
So again, that's another thing where I would really love to be back on stage as soon as possible. Um, but you know, safety is the priority right now. Absolutely. So if so, you know, yeah. Ian, uh, on this podcast, we try to connect people through a common denominator change. All right. Great <laughs> common denominator is the sandwich. What is your favorite sandwich, Ian? Oh, goodness. All right. There's this place in Chicago called Luke's Lobster. Oh, man. <laughs> and oh it was a whole experience it was my 20th birthday i was i was going to the theater to see hamilton and my friend came with me and we were both we were both trying to figure out you know we were going to go for dinner because like it was going to be like a nice dinner and a show and yeah. it got to a point where we were like if we go anywhere for like a really nice sit down like we're probably gonna be 15 minutes late so, so <laughs> we're we're on we're on maps and we find this place we had always been talking about lobster rolls and actually uh, you came with us when we went to that deli in detroit yes. trying to get lobster rolls and they weren't serving them at that time sold out they had sold, sold out. out they had sold out oh my <laughs> gosh anywho we find this place luke's lobster and we go in and oh my god i have <laughs> the best <laughs> i have for $8, by the way, can't even complain. I had the best lobster roll clam chowder combination I've ever had in my life. Oh, wow. Um, so for right now, something might take the place in the future. But for right now, Luke Lobster's Lobster Roll is my favorite sandwich. That's the plug. That is the that's, plug. That's the plug. Luke's Lobster, if you're listening, I will gladly <laughs> endorse you in the time of unemployment. I will gladly DoorDash just to make an Instagram ad. Absolutely. <laughs> Ian, I can't thank you enough for telling your story on Constant Change. I can't wait to see what else you will set your mind to. If you resonated with today's conversation or you know someone who'd be interested in the show, it would mean a lot to us if you shared this with them. I am honored to be able to help tell the stories of Constant Change.